I greet you again in the name of the Lord. Good morning. Welcome on this Lord's Day Sabbath as we continue our series, First Things, a study through Genesis chapters 1 through 3. And as I've just stated, we have, we've just exited a mini-series. Are we good here? We've just exited a mini-series on the Lord's Day Sabbath within our series of Genesis chapters 1 through 3. And, and let me say, although we're not teaching this morning on the Lord's Day Sabbath, I do understand that there, there may be still lingering questions about the Lord's Day Sabbath. And God willing, as those opportunities arise, he will provide us with more dialogue about the Lord's Day Sabbath. But this morning, we return to the book of Genesis. We return to chapters 1 through 3. We return to our, our series as we consider the creation of woman. The creation of woman. We will be reading this morning from portions from chapters 1 and 2 from the book of Genesis because each of these passages give us different but complementary insight into the creation of woman. So with that said, let us stand for the reading of God's word. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 through 28. Then we will read Genesis 2, 7 through 8, and then 15 and 15 to 25 in chapter 2. Genesis 1, 26. This is the word of the Lord. Please give it your full attention. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth. And over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So the Lord God, so God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Verse 28. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. And fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea. And over the birds of the heavens. And over every living thing that moves on the earth. Genesis 2 7 through 8. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust, man of the dust from the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden, in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. Genesis 2:15. The Lord God took the man Put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree in the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day you eat of it, you will surely die. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now, out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and to all the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a, a helper fit or suitable for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon man. And while he slept... He took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh and the rib that the that the Lord God had taken from the man. He made into a woman and brought her to the man. 
Then the man said, this is, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his mother and his father and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. This morning, we will consider the creation of woman with three points. Number one, woman's humanity. Number one, woman's humanity. If you recall, Genesis chapter one and Genesis chapter two have different but complementary perspectives. Genesis chapter one and Genesis chapter two have different and yet complementary perspectives. Genesis chapter 1 gives us the macro view of creation. Macro is, if you will, the big picture of creation, the big picture perspective of creation. While Genesis chapter 2 gives us the micro view of creation. The micro view is, if you will, the smaller or more detailed perspective of creation. This becomes clear and evident to us when we read in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 to 28. God's word tells us that man, God created man in his image. And he created man, male and female. This is the macro view of creation. It's the, the big picture. Male and female have been created in the image of God. Being made in the image of God, listen, brothers and sisters, is not something that is unique to man. Or to the male. You got that? Being created in the image of God is not something that is unique only to the male. Because male and female are both created in the image of God. God created humanity in the image, in his own image. The dignity of being a human being is not any better or any worse in man and worse in woman or any more or any less in man than it is in woman. Amen. Man, male and female, are both created in the image of God. When considering the humanity of women, we are, we are considering that woman is made in the image of God, and we are speaking in terms of who she is and what she is. She is made in the image of God. She is, in that sense, not inferior to man. Amen. Woman is not inferior to man. Both men and women are made in the image of God. God has created man, upright, man and woman, upright, relational, rational, social, and both in his image, male and female. Now, are there differences in the way that male and female bear the image of God. Yes, there are differences in the ways that men and women bear the image of God. But the differences are, are, are not in who or what the woman is. The differences are not in who and what the woman is. But the roles that men and women play as they bear the image of God. What they are called to do. The function of man and woman is different as image bearers of God, as, listen, as equal 
image bearers of God. God has created both man and woman in his image, and he has created both of them with distinct operations or distinct roles. Brothers and sisters, the difference between man and woman is not quantity. Are you here? Not that man bears the image of God more than woman or that woman bears the image of God less than man. And it's also not a matter of quality. Man does not bear the image of God better than women. And women do not bear the image of God less than man in quality. But rather we are speaking in sense of what they are called to do. It is a matter of function, not quantity or quality, but function. Amen. What Adam is called to do and what the woman is called to do are different functions. But listen, but they are complementary one to another. Different functions, different roles, and yet these two roles, when they are functioning together, when they are operating or cooperating together, they do exactly what God has intended them to do. And they, listen, accomplish exactly what God has called them to accomplish. The Bible says, the Lord God said, let us make man in our image and let them, not just him, but let them have dominion. God blessed not just him, but blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. This command of dominion and fruitfulness is something that man and woman are called to carry out and accomplish together. Men and women are called to carry out and accomplish this together. And your marriages are to be an example of this. That when one is functioning in their role and one is not. What is the success of your marriage? It's war. It's unsuccessful. But when both are functioning in their roles, when both are doing exactly what God has called both to do, the marriage is bliss. Amen. <clears throat> the roles that God has given men and women are different, and yet they are complementary in accomplishing the mission of God. Think of it like this. Just as the role of a, of a queen differs from the role of a king, but does not take away from her royalty. So also, woman's role differs from man's role, but does not take away from her humanity and her being made in the image of God. Amen. They both receive a mandate to be fruitful and to multiply. They both must work together in order to accomplish this feat. And yet, at the same time, they are both playing different roles. Listen, God-ordained roles. Roles that God has established for man and for woman. Not that man is made up for himself or that woman has made up for himself, but that God has ordained for man and for woman. If God has ordained it, then what must it be? Not just good, but very good. They are king and queen who rule together with distinguishing roles. Someone said to me, like the president and vice president. No, like the king and queen. The woman has equal humanity with the man. And the shame is this, that this misunderstanding of what man's role is and what woman's role is has been abused and used throughout the history of humanity. 
But it was not the way God had intended it to be from the beginning. Women were not called to be used and abused by men. And men were not called to be dominant and domineering. The men and women were both made in the image of God. Women, sisters, you are not less than human. Sisters, you are made in the image of God. Sisters, God has created you for a specific purpose. And when you live your life to fulfill that purpose that God has called you to, which is this. We'll find out in just a moment. I don't want to get ahead of myself. You will find fulfillment there, even though the world tells you not so. Male and female rule together as king and queen. Number two, the order of creation. And here's the answer that I was going to give you as far as what your role is, what your fulfillment or calling is. The order of creation. In Genesis chapter 1, Genesis 1 clearly states that male and female are equally created in the image of God. This must be established. Men, we must first establish women are made in the image of God. They are no more human or less human than you are. They are equal in humanity, equal in being created in the image of God. Women, hear this. You are equally created in the image of God as man is. So then, if this is the case... Where do we get this idea of male headship? We've sent a good series in our church. And if you're interested in it, go back to hear it. Male headship. Where do we get this idea that man is the head of the wife if we are saying that men and women are equally created in the image of God? Where do we get male headship from? We get male headship from Genesis chapter 2. Where? In the order of creation, man was created before the woman. When we consider Genesis chapter 1, we must understand that Genesis chapter 1 is not concerned with giving us necessarily the sequence or the detailed version, but rather it's giving us the overall macro view, big picture. Then when we get to Genesis 2, we have a more detailed picture of what is actually happening. And that is this. There is a sequence That is going on here. Genesis 1 gives us the big picture. Genesis 2 actually gives us the more micro, detailed picture of creation. And it makes it very clear. God's word in Genesis chapter 2 makes it very clear that man was created before the woman. Man was created first. And then the woman was created. And the woman was created from man. You see that? Man created first. And then the woman was created. And the woman was created from the man. The Lord God created man. Man looked around as creatures are being brought to him, as he is naming each of the creatures, and no creature is suitable for man. All other creatures have their counterparts. And as all creatures are brought before man, there is no counterpart for him. There is no helper that is suitable for him. Scripture itself appeals to this sequence of creation. The Apostle Paul appeals to the sequence of creation of creation in first Corinthians chapter 11 in first Timothy chapter two. And this is where we get this idea of male headship in the family. It derives from the fact that man was created first and then the woman. And why was the woman created? To help. Every single other creature had a counterpart. 
except for man. Every other creature has a counterpart. And notice that prior to the creation, Adam is given commands. Adam, creation of woman. Adam is given commands. Adam is given responsibilities. These commands about the trees, the duties of protecting the garden, are given to Adam prior to the creation of woman. Those commands are are unique to Adam. They are given to Adam before woman. They are primarily Adam's as king, prophet, and priest. And that's why we read the portions that we did before we began. There's that sequence that happens. And brothers and sisters, we don't even know that Adam is alone until we get to Genesis 2.18, where Scripture says it's not good for man to be alone. Adam has all of these responsibilities. He has been commissioned by God, and yet he is alone. Scripture tells us and makes it clear that it was not good for man to be alone. Brothers and sisters, man by himself is good. But it is not good for man to be alone. And this is what sets the scene. It's what what sets the stage for the introduction to the creation of the woman. Again, God brings all the beasts of the field, all the animals before Adam. And Adam shows authority over those animals by doing what? By naming them. These animals are not suitable counterparts for Adam. No beast of the field, no bird of the air is suitable for Adam. And if you recall, man is created. Again, God places him in the garden. God commissions the man to protect the garden, to serve in the garden, to expand the garden temple. Man is alone. And God himself prepares a helper for Adam to accomplish the mission that God has called him to. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 20. The man gave names to all livestock and to all the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed it up with flesh. The repetition here, God brings the woman to the man and she is just right for him. She is fit for him. Verse 23, Adam declares, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Adam knew right away. This is a suitable counterpart for me. God knew or Adam knew right away. This woman is perfect for me. God fit the woman perfectly for man to complete. The mission that God had called him to. God made a perfect helper for Adam to accomplish the goal that God had given to Adam, the commission that God had given to Adam. But this sequence, it teaches us the subordination of the role of the woman to Adam. Although the woman is equal to man, have we not established that? In terms of who and what she is, as she cooperates with the man. She is created in a, listen, ladies and men, in a subordinate role. Now, I shared this with my wife this morning. She said, what? (laughs) Subordinate? That's right. It's a strong word. But here's why it's so strong. Because you are sinners. 
Here's why you hate the word submission. Because you are a sinner. And here's why men, you don't understand the word. Is because you are a sinner. We take these words to mean what they do not. This is not an issue of what or who the woman is. But what she does. Think about sequence again. Man is given the commission. Man needs help to fulfill. Listen, what God has commanded him to fulfill. What's the what's the goal of Adam? To expand the glory of God. Do you see that goal there? God gives Adam a helper to do that. Not girl cook me food. Amen. Wash my drawers. Now, that may be a wonderful way to serve one another. But you can wash your own drawers. You men need to learn how to cook. Some of you women need to learn how to cook. From the laugh of the men, many of you women need to learn how to cook. God brings from the man a woman. She is his helpmeet or helpmate. Her role is to help men fulfill God's calling, God's commission. Because she, like the man, has a desire to glorify God. Amen. She wants God's glory just as, the, just as much as the man wants God's glory. So it is not uh, demeaning for her to say, let me help you to glorify God. It is a joy for her to say, let me help you glorify God. Amen. But when you have one who says, let's glorify God, and the other say, no thanks, then there is strife. Then there is difficulty. And each must play their role exactly the way God has called them to. Man, you lead. Male headship, lead your wife to glorify God. Lead her in the ways that that you are showing that you are preparing her to be a pure bride before God, that you are that you are preparing to present her holy before God. That's your calling. That's how you glorify God and you raise up your children to do the same. So, men, when you are doing this role of leading your wife, purifying your wife, raising and discipling your children, bringing them to church then it is, let me tell you, men, it is easy for the woman to come under your leadership and say, yes, together, we will glorify God. Now, woman, if you say, I see your leadership, but I want to lead, you are out of line. I see what you're doing, but I can do it better. Not your job. You can help along this way. But when you start, my son and I, my son is... is, my son is an interesting character, to say the least. When we walk anywhere, my son always wants to be just a step ahead of me. So I'll let him walk ahead of me, and I'll go a different direction. And I'll wait to see how long he's going to notice that he don't know exactly where he's going. Go ahead and walk, and I'll let him go, and I'll let him go, and I'll turn the other way, and I'll just stand and watch. And he, he goes about 15, 20 feet before he finally realizes, and he'll come back to me, and I'll say to him, where are you going? And he says, I don't know. And I say to him, exactly. You stand right here, and you walk with me. 
You don't lead me. I lead you. Now, my job is to lead. Because if I'm not leading, then it should make sense that the woman says, well, if you're not going to, I am. Now, men, you can't be mad when you see her going and say, well, where do you think you're going? Because she will say back to you, I'm waiting for you to lead. But if you're not going to, I got to keep going. I've got to keep moving. Because I can't wait on you to get yourself together while I try to keep all of this together. Because there's a goal that God has called us to, and that is to glorify him. And it's not going to happen while you're standing still. Amen. Amen. So in this, woman plays a subordinate role. God himself has implemented this sequence. God himself has established this order. Therefore, it is good. Now, for those of you who are saying, yeah, but that word subordination. I love this church. You, you catch on to words and you, you like to dissect and have a field day with what you think it means. Subordination can cause some uneasiness. Here's what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean less than human. We've already established that man and woman are both equal. Both are made in the image of God together. It does not mean you are my slave. Subordination does not mean I have absolute authority over you. There are women who are afraid of their husbands. There are women who are afraid of their husbands. Because they're afraid of how their husband might react to something that, that is completely irrational for them to react to. Why are you so mad? I'm going to church where you should be. Why are you so mad? I'm reaching out to the sisters. Why are you so mad? Women or men, if your wife is afraid of you, something's wrong. If your wife fears you, not with a respect but with the, I'm scared of him. Something's wrong with you, man. You have abused and misused your dominion and authority that God has given to you to lovingly lead. Men, you should not cause your woman to fear you. And woman, you should not be afraid of your husband. You should trust that he is a reasonable person, a rational person, a social person who loves you. Just like Christ loved the church. Are you scared of Jesus Christ? No, you're not. Husband, you are to be that to your wife. Because you can come before the throne of grace, can you not? To receive mercy in time of need. Husband, strive for that. Strive for that. Amen? I don't care what your father showed you. Here's the ultimate expression of what a true husband is. Amen. Doesn't mean slave. Subordination meaning simply this under. In order of things. Under in order of things. Just like someone may say in military. There are rankings 
Does it it take away from the humanity? Well, if, if you're in the army and you know that, you may be treated as less than human. But it is as far as ranking goes, as far as order goes. So then what does it entail? What's the woman called to do? She's designed to help Adam in what he is called and created to do. And they both have the desire to do the same thing. Her role is subservient to Adam's. This means that she does, she uses all of her resources, all of her talents, all that is within her that God has given to her to contribute to the success and to the progress of Adam's calling, which is to glorify God and extend the garden, extend the glory of God, which is also her desire. So God has given the man authority and resources to expand the garden, to make God's glory known. And God has also given the woman resources to expand the garden, talents to expand the garden, to make God's glory known. And together, they are the perfect team. Why? Because their goal is not on, hey, you're five steps ahead of me. Or you're five steps behind me. They're not necessarily focused on one another per se. They are focused on Christ and his glory. And as they both together encourage one another, let's go together. Let's continue to do this together. They both are pursuing that goal of keeping their eyes fixed on Christ, the author and finisher of their faith. They do this together. They are two people on one mission. Two people on one mission. The woman is not called to go her own way. Listen, ladies, you are not called to seek out your own commission. You got yours. Let me figure out what God wants me to do. Serve your husband. Serve him as he leads you. Amen. Adam has already received his commission. She's been called to help, been created to help in that calling. And listen, brothers and sisters, she was perfect for that role. She was made perfect for this task. She was to help Adam expand this sanctuary, take the garden to the entire world. And she's not an afterthought. The woman is not, ah, well, yeah, woman sounds like a good idea. Let's make a woman. She was always a part of God's plan, always a part of God's decree. She's not in the background, as it were. She's a main player. And we'll find that out in chapter 3. Sequence teaches us subordination. Subordination of the woman's role, but not subordination of the woman's humanity or her being. Amen. This is greatly important because we misunderstand the woman's role. Both men and women misunderstand this role. Women misunderstand this this, uh, subordination to mean silent, submissive, obedient to every command. And that's not the case. I can't tell you how many times I am so thankful for my wife speaking up. Because thank God I, I know something. But she helps me to see things that I don't see. She helps me to, me to be aware of things that I'm not aware of. If, if it were not for my wife, this church would be doing something every single night of the week. My, my sister is actually one person who used to tell me we're doing stuff every night. Every night. This is before we were before. Um, and I used to tell my sister, it's all good. This is what we're supposed to do. Until my wife finally began to say to me, honey, 
I don't ever get any time with you. We're always, I love the church, don't get me wrong, I love it, but we are always, every night. And I didn't realize that my family was suffering, and yet the church was having a, a great time, by the way. They were having a great time. The church was partying while my family was, was struggling. And if it were not for her wisdom, if it were not for her sensitivity to, to family, then things may not be what they are today. And that's not the only time that my wife has spoken up in times where I, I have not seen or perceived something that she has clearly seen. And, and what was she doing? Forcing me? No. Helping me. And I was humble enough, thank God, to receive her counsel. Not always willingly. Not because o- I'm a sinner. Not always at first. Because I'm a sinner. But eventually, the Lord using her to not only give me wisdom and counsel, but also the Lord using her to sanctify me. To sanctify me in areas I didn't even know I needed sanctification in. To make me aware of things that were not glorifying God that I didn't even realize were not glorifying God. And in that way, the Lord has used her as, as a help, both a helper for me. And a means that the Holy Spirit is used to sanctify me, to make me more like him. And it has been to my joy. It has been to my, she is much younger than I, but in many ways, way more mature than I. Women misunderstand this, that they are to be silent. No. Woman is created equally in the image of God, given equal human dignity. Again, their roles are different. And those roles that God has given them help them to most glorify God. God has called man to lead the woman. To lead the woman. And the woman is to assist the man in this process. Assist the man. And brothers and sisters, the fall has distorted our understanding of all this. That's how tragic the fall is. The fall has distorted our idea of what it means to to come under your husband and to allow him to lead you. The fall has distorted what it means for a man to lead. And the world now tells the woman, go your own way. You don't need him. I was at the doctor's office the other day and my wife on one of her social security cards, uh, numbers, whatever, has her previous last name on there. And I said, we both said we've got to get that changed. And the doctor, who was an older lady, said, you don't need to get that changed. That's your name. Your name is what her previous name was. And I said, no, it's not. Not no more. She said, I still have my last name or my previous last name. And I said under my breath, that's why you're going to hell. (laughs) I didn't say that. I thought that. She was an unbeliever. The fall has caused women to scratch and claw for power. To scratch and claw claw for leadership. To scratch and claw to say, I'm the boss in this house. And the fall has caused men to cower in fear and say, yes, you are. Or for men to stand up and say, no, you're not. (laughs) And to dominate in an abusive way. 
And we need the Spirit of God to guide us through his word so that we may rightly see what brings God glory. Number three, and, and in conclusion, the identity and innocence of woman. The identity and innocence of woman. After the woman is created and she is named woman, man and woman are married. The two have become one flesh and we will talk about marriage next week. The man names the woman. He gives to her a name, calls her woman because she was taken out of man. The Hebrew word for man is ish and the Hebrew word for woman is isha. Isha meaning from man and also with man. We, we get our English word woman from with man, with man, woman. She is from man and she is with man. With man in the sense that she is married to man. And Adam's naming her has something to do with what she is and who she is. She is from the man and she is with the man. She is the helper. She is bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. And it once again points out her subordination. Who names the woman? Man names the woman. Has man named all the other animals? Which shows his dominion. Not that she's an animal. Amen? Amen. Although in our sad history, woman has been used as an animal. She is a human being with dignity and who deserves respect as an image bearer of God. Amen. He names her out of authority. He names him because she was taken from man. Her identity is woman. She is the helper of man. The crown of his head. The queen at his side. Man's companion, and she is perfect. Sisters, let this identity take root in your soul. The crown of his head, the queen at his side, man's companion. She is his helper. Brothers and sisters and sisters, there is no demeaning in that. There is no demoting in that. The man and the woman were both naked and they were ashamed. They were not. They were unashamed. Why would scripture point out their nakedness? You ever thought about that? It's pointing to their innocence. They have nothing to hide. No need to be covered. They were sinless. And and what is it preparing us for? For the fall. Where, where, Where they will attempt to cover their sin. Cover their shame as they rebel against God and hide in shame. Men and women, man and woman enjoyed marital bliss. It was the only perfect marriage that ever existed for as long as it lasted. Meaning it was perfect until the fall. The only perfect marriage until the fall. The woman was good. She was perfect, made sinless, made just in the right way for man. The woman was perfectly able to do all that God created her to do. And listen, again, it was a joy for her to do. The work of being a helpmate was not demeaning to the woman in any way. In helping the man, she was fulfilling her God-given purpose for why she was created. And it was not until the fall that the curse of woman comes. And you know what the curse of woman is? Not childbearing, although that is one of them. What's the other curse of woman? Challenging authority. 
the curse of woman is to challenge male headship. So when you want, when you think, why am I so abrasive toward him? Why do I, I get so frustrated with him? Because you're a daughter of Eve. And it has been passed on to you to reject and even challenge the authority of man. And the culture is not helping. The subordinate role was not difficult for the woman. Again, it was a joy. She had all the capability, capabilities to accomplish her calling. She was the perfect helper for man. Sisters, may I say to you that being a woman is fulfilling and not demeaning. You may ask yourself, why did God create me a woman? Men have it so easy. Women, you are blessed with the gift of womanhood. It is your gift. It is your gift that God has given you. The woman is equal with man in terms of humanity and being made in the image of God. Her calling to serve did not mean that she lived an unfulfilled life. You got that? It didn't mean that her life was unfulfilled. Why? Because what's her goal? To expand the glory of God. That's her goal. And she does it rightly and does it perfectly when she comes under her husband's good and godly leadership. She was created for that role. She is the queen and her husband is the king who rules the land. There's an analogy here with the Trinity. In that the three persons of the Trinity are equal in power. Substance and perfection. All persons of the Trinity are equal and there is not one person of the Trinity who is more God than the other. They are all one. But when God the Father executes his decree in time, the different persons of the Trinity perform in time what they have purpose, what they have purpose to do. When God decrees, the Trinity executes what has been decreed in time. When the Father purposes, the Son performs, the Spirit perfects. And each in their roles are not being demeaned in what they do. While the son performs, when the son performs what the father has purposed, it's not demeaning for the son to perform that action that serves the purpose of the father. Was it demeaning for Jesus Christ, the son, to take on our sin and to die in our place? No. It was functional subordination in time, but not subordination of who and what he is. Amen. The woman then is not slave. Slaves work hard but never receive benefits. The woman receives all of the benefits from her work. As she is fruitful, as she multiplies, she's not an employee. She is royalty that serves alongside the king. And it was, again, a joy. She's a main character, not an afterthought, not in the background. She doesn't have a lesser purpose. The woman made Adam's life better. Amen. Creation was good. Adam was good. But with Eve, the woman, Adam was even better. Adam was even better. She was everything Adam needed. Everything Adam needed and didn't know that he needed. And more. I hope you can say that about your wives. Because that is so true about my wife. She's everything I, I wanted, everything I needed, and more. More than what I knew I wanted. 
more than what I knew I needed. Sanctifying me, the Lord using her in ways more than what I understood that I needed. She is my queen. She is the jewel on my crown. She is the crown. And it is a blessing for me, a gift for me to lead her. And she lovingly comes under my leadership. Always agreeing? Of course. I'm never wrong. No. And I thank God that she is my helper. Because if she always, I mean, if she always agreed, then I'm pretty good. But she doesn't. And although I don't want to receive the counsel at first, when I understand that I'm being prideful and take in what she's saying, she's often right. But doesn't lord that over me. And women, you should never lord over the times that you're right over your husband. Never make him feel like he's not doing a good job. Amen. Help him. Even if he's not doing a good job, pray for him and encourage him in the things that he is doing well. Because man has a lot of pride. And man, when he feels like he's not doing a good job, either does one of two things. Either steps up or steps down and says, I'm not good enough. Your husband will be one of the two. Up for a moment, then down. Or they'll step up and stay there. But whatever place they're in, encourage them. Pray for them. Love them. She was perfect until the fall. Women, you have the ability to make man's life heaven on earth. As it was before the fall. And women, you have the potential to make life absolutely miserable. So miserable that the, that, 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 that the, that the writer of the Proverbs says, it would be, women have the ability to make you feel like your bones are rotting within you. Women have the ability to make your life so miserable that the writer of the Proverbs says, you should just go live on the, on the roof. Women, you have the ability to make your husband's pursuit of God a joy or something that they don't want to come home to. Women or men, as do you. The Proverbs has not written or the the writer of the Proverbs has not written specifically to man's ability to make life a living hell for the woman. But it is very clear. That men, when you do not lead your wives, then there is disorder in the family. Your wife will not be made purified before God, as is your responsibility, and your children will be left to their own devices. Husbands, the book of Peter gives you encouragement that if you do not treat your wife well, your prayers will not be heard by God. Love her well, treat her well, or don't even bother coming to God because you are out of line. Amen. And when we do this, when we live in the accurate roles that God has ordained for us, when we lead and submit, 
we ultimately display the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Which again is our goal. Adam and Eve lost sight of the goal. They lost sight of the, the direction of glorifying God throughout the, all the earth. The fall happened. Men fell into sin, unable and unwilling to come to God on his own. But God, who was rich in mercy, sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to live, to die, to rise, and to now sit at the right hand of God. And he has given to his elect the commission that was lost in the garden of doing what? Of making the glory of God known throughout the nations as you display the gospel in your marriage. Now, if husband leads and wife does not follow or wife does not follow, but but husband or if, if wife, husband leads and wife does not follow or wife is following Christ, but husband does not lead. Then there will be difficulty in trying to display this great gospel news. But when the two of them together use all the gifts, all the talents that God has given them to fulfill the God-given mission that Christ has given us. When we are two people on one mission. Then we will see marital bliss in our families. Perfect? No. Flying around like angels in the homes? No. But in a way that God has ordained, that God has decreed, in a way that most brings him glory. Woman. You are created in the image of God. You are created to serve as your husband leads to glorify God. This is who you are. And there is no demeaning in this. There is joy and fulfillment in this. Let us stand.